Hello guys and welcome to this episode of A Chat With Pat. Um, I'm super, super psyched to share this guest with you all. Um, today on this episode, I've got Dr. Kieran Kennedy. Uh, Dr. Kieran Kennedy does have a background in medicine, but he also has a background in psychology and he's currently studying to become a fully qualified psychiatrist as we discussed on the show. He's a wonderful mental health advocate. Um, we share a lot of similar ideas, obviously, due to my background and work and we bounce each off each other really well. Um, other than that, he's just as him as an individual. He's an amazingly passionate dude. He really believes in increasing awareness for mental health in Australia and breaking down stigmas, as we discussed on this episode. Um, he's such a lovely, nice dude. He does amazing work. Um, he's also appeared on the Today Show and writes columns for Men's Health magazine um, regarding our health and mental health. So he's a man that does it all, <laughs> really. Um, he's a knowledgeable dude, as I said, and a great person. And I've really, really enjoyed this interview and um, obviously holds close relation with the current challenge that everyone's partaking in, in the ISO 232 challenge. Um, on that, I want to thank everyone that's involved and everyone that's supported me so far, um, especially my close friends. All my love goes to you and all my love goes to everyone participating in it, donating, um, sharing posts, raising awareness for mental health and fundraising for Beyond Blue. We're, we're at well over $3,000, but you know, raising awareness is the main thing and having these discussions about mental health is the most important thing so that we can continue to break down stigmas and look after each other, not only in these difficult times where it's very important, but to also continue to have these discussions and break down mental health um, and look after one another. As again, I love you all. Look after each other. Enjoy this episode because this one really is a belter. Listeners, Snake Edwards on the recorder here. This one's a belter. Dr. Kieran Kennedy, welcome to a chat with Pat, mate. I'm super, super psyched to have you on here. Great man. I'm a man that can do it all, I guess. <laughs> uh, I, I think that that's praising me far too much. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's really, really awesome to be here and be having a chat with you, mate, because I'm um, yeah, loving what you've been putting out there and humbling to get the call up to chat about mental health stuff so yeah. no thanks heaps no i appreciate it so just for a bit of background for um the listeners you are you know if i get this wrong feel free to just correct mm. me at the end you're a doctor um psychiatrist a uh, mental health advocate um you're shredded you're strong between the hospital and well yeah um work obviously in hospital work and then mental health advocate and you write for men's health as well a few of those things like they're just some of the things that you do yeah yeah and as as i say um humbling humbling collection of call out there thanks mate um <laughs> but yeah that's that's pretty much spot on um i guess the only thing there is i uh, am a doctor working in psychiatry and um it's a it's a pretty long long arduous road to completing your specialist license when you're a doctor so i'm actually about six months away from my full specialist license as a psychiatrist but at the moment i i would i guess i what we'd call like a resident yeah. so I'm, I'm a psychiatry resident um yeah. so finishing off my psychiatric training and uh yeah it's kind of crazy to say that we're almost there and about to pop yeah. out the end so congrats mate congrats yeah. so if we go right back what led you in onto this because you know you're essentially a doctor and psychiatrist like mm. what led you on to taking all that on uh like medicine in general yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so i guess like i've always just been super interested in people like as as corny as that kind of sounds and i know in your work as well i'm sure you've probably always been the same and that's yeah. why you do what you do um but yeah i think that's kind of where it came from i grew up on a farm um i'm from new zealand originally which you probably tell by the the accent <laughs> and uh, so grew up on a farm like around a big family lots of animals so i always kind of grew up liking kind of caring for things and looking after people and animals and then 
through school, um, just kind of realized that I, I loved, loved a bit of a chat. Um, so I loved talking and, and connecting with people. Um, so medicine kind of became the clear sort of option. Um, but before medical school, I actually did a, a psychology degree. Yeah. Um, so that's where I kind of just got super fascinated with the brain and the mind and yeah. how we think and feel and, and everything. So um, was kind of pretty set fairly early on that I wanted to, to become a psychiatrist and, and work in mental health. And um, yeah, for me, it's, it's super challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's really rewarding. Yeah. You know, um, I, I remember thinking during uni, uh, you know, if you could kind of connect with someone and, you know, obviously you're not like saving their life in a surgery or, you know, like tinkering with their heart or anything. But I just remembered thinking, you know, if if someone was at the point in their life where things seemed just completely dark and done and you as a doctor could have some, some part to play in helping them turn their life around and carry on living and be making the most of, of their life and their potential and everything they want to do that to me just seemed like it would be incredibly rewarding uh so yeah that's kind of crazy as we say to be to be sitting here now nearly at the end of that kind of training journey and to be basically working as a psychiatrist now and and doing that full time so it's been a long journey but it's been a good one yeah well, i was gonna say that there's it would have been a, especially with that psychology degree just before yeah. going into medicine as well. oh mate like yeah I was thinking, it was eight years at uni uh and then <laughs> and then as every doctor has to do when you come out at, of uni you kind of enter into your specialist training and that's yeah. another five or six years and you're working but also studying and sitting exams on the side and that's so nuts um, yeah but yeah, I'm alive. We're that's here. Amazing. That's it. That's the thing. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Now, mental health—it's grown mm. um, to be a big topic in Australia. Um, yeah. So we can only talk about Australia and the world in general um, in, yeah. days, in modern times. Why do you think it has become, from your perspective, such an, oh, uh, an I guess an issue? It's, it's somewhat mm. of a pandemic. In a, in yeah. In, yeah. Yeah. Hard what, out. What are some of the factors, in your perspective, that has caused this? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think our like as our world kind of grown and and the way that modern society's kind of shaped itself around us, I think there's there are a lot of parts to that that are, are pretty rough on our mental health. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we're we're super busy now. We're plugged in and connected to you know the internet and social media and stuff all the time. Um, and I guess in a way it's interesting that as at least in the Western world, we're incredibly lucky that physically, mm-hmm. you know, we have all these things on hand to keep us physically, um, hopefully, you know, healthier. And the modern medical system does absolute miracles now in terms of physical health. So it's interesting that in a way, as we've kind of come to this place where we're, you know, pretty lucky when it yeah. comes to, you know, what we can access 24 hours a day and what we can do and have in terms of our physical health and our bodies. I think we've kind of left, yeah. you know, left our mind a little bit behind. Yeah, it's almost playing catch up. Yeah, definitely. Sense, yeah. yeah. And I think the busier we get and the more external everything is with kind of social media yeah. and massively busy careers and 24 seven access to stuff. Um, you know, like you say, I think our mind has been like running on the treadmill for a while and now it's starting to get bloody tired and, and collectively we're starting to see some of the the effects of that when it comes yeah. to mental illness. And you mentioned social media. That's definitely got a big part to play. Um, and yeah. I've always been to the belief, like it's a huge factor, especially with the younger mm. generations. Mm, mm. But I've also been in the belief is that it's been abused as a tool like yeah. so much. Yeah, I mean, I've got, you know, I, re- I really 
love social media in terms of it's got some positives to it. Like mm. there's some great kind of connecting factors there. Like right now. Like right um, now, you know. Well, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. man. Like, you know, like we, we kind of wouldn't have connected without it. Yeah. And, and that's been the case I know for so many people. And, and so it does open so many doors and it has such good potential to be a real positive in our lives. But, but it is also a bit of a double-edged sword, like you say. Um, I think the fact that we're increasingly plugged into it all the time can be a bit of a bit of a bit of an, an alarm there when it comes to like our mental health because I think we're just constantly distracted and preoccupied all the time. And then I think when it comes to the whole comparison thing of social media, yeah. um, you know that that's that's pretty hard for our mental health as well. You know, I think maybe. Maybe before we would have like picked up a magazine or seen an advertisement on TV and would have gone, oh yeah. shit! I don't know if my rig's quite uh, and <laughs> my like rig's that's, quite like that. Yeah, that's not now as accessible as well. Like, well, yeah, just like that. Like, yeah, exactly. Now it's kind of in our face the whole time. I think we're kind of constantly being presented with these images and ideas and things of of what life could be like or should be like or what yeah. we should be like. Um, and as you say, particularly for the younger generation, I think that's pretty tough. Yes, I completely agree. And, and within that, like people can on social media portray their best lives as much as they possibly can. And that comparative, that comparative, um, nature and that, that poison for yeah. lack of a better word, it just gets very, very murky and dangerous. Yeah. And I like to highlight, especially the younger generation, like yep. even like younger than me as well. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. I think like you say, we're kind of, I mean, it, it's, it's such a, like a commonly said thing now that it almost sounds cliche, but it's yeah. like, it's that whole highlight reel kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not just the fact that it's a highlight reel, but often the, the images and stuff that we're seeing aren't actually real life either, you know, in yeah. terms of who knows what's been done to the images yeah. and, and things. So, um, but it's hard not to get, pulled into that world mm. i think for any of us and no yeah. matter how aware we are of it um you know it's, it's easy to do you know i find myself sometimes yeah. being like you know you just because that's natural for our brain to do we, we're naturally kind of comparing and weighing up yeah. um where we're at compared to where other people are at and i think that's just part of our biology in a way yeah so, yeah when it's in your face all the time it can be pretty yeah. heavy and then, yeah, people start, you know, defining themselves as, mm -hmm. like, what, what's there? Like, and you know, like likes and stuff like that. You know, it was yes. pretty cool that Instagram didn't take that away earlier yeah. this year. Yeah. I, I thought, thought it was pretty great cool. Move. Yep. Like, things like that. It gets very, even more dangerous as well. Definitely. And kind of like we said before, I think, uh, you know, I think more and more how our lives are now we're kind of we're really just pulled to the outside the whole time you know we're constantly kind of having our attention grabbed and we're constantly looking at okay well what's the amount of likes for this or followers for that um and and i think our attention the whole time is kind of pulled to the external yeah. and and mental health often really comes down to to kind of sitting back for a little bit and noting what's going on on the internal yeah. um you know so it, it still it still blows me away how many people i you know talk to in a clinic or might see in the emergency department at the hospital who you know might say something like i just i don't know why i'm feeling like this or yeah. um i've never felt this way before or um you know is it normal to be feeling like yeah. this uh, and I think we're finding it harder and harder to, to sit with difficult emotions and, and even know how we're feeling or why we're feeling what we're feeling because we're just constantly having our attention pulled outside all the time. Yeah, so. yeah, that's a hundred percent correct. You just, and then in, in within that, like you said, it's very difficult to do that is personally reflect and take mm. back and see what oh, yeah. is 
emotions are doing and how they're portraying to other people's and what behaviors that might become like, you know, maybe substance abuse, Mm -hmm. anything else, volatile behavior, anything else. It's a very, very hard thing to do for individuals. Oh, it really is. And that's, you know, (laughs) like I say, when I'm kind of spousing out this kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. um, like I say, it's far easier said than done. And, you know, doctors as well and mental health doctors as well. You know, like it's, it's, it's not something that I think we just flip a switch on and it happens. Yeah. It, it's, it's really difficult. Uh, and I guess that's why psychiatrists and mental health doctors and psychologists, I guess that's why this, this area of work exists is because yeah. this is really hard stuff. And sometimes all of us need a little bit of a hand yeah. doing that. So it's, um, yeah. It's... Why, why do you think there's such a big stigma surrounding it in society? Mm. Well, I know yeah. I, I personally, I'm an optimist. I'm, I'm pretty, I like yeah. to be a pretty happy bloke. I go about things <laughs> pretty tell well. straight away, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but why, why do you think there is such a stigma around mm. it still? I, I yeah. feel that, like what I was saying, I was an optimist, we're breaking it down somewhat in our society. You might yeah. be different. Yeah. Why do you think there is such still a stigma surrounding it? Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, I think it's been super, super inspiring and, and pretty cool to see, especially in the last, I reckon, five five years or so, the amount of people talking about mental health and, you know, like podcasts like this one wanting to talk about it. And, you know, it, I think the stigma is starting to shift and it has shifted a lot, but you're right. It's, it's really still there compared to physical health. You know, there's still this massive divide between physical health and mental health. And that's one of the reasons I think why we're still battling, as you say, a bit of an epidemic when it comes to to mental health and mental illness. I think a lot of it is, you know, I mean, it's interesting through, through my, you know, through our training to become psychiatrists, a big part of that is actually learning the history of psychiatry. Yeah. And that's a bit of a mind opener because you know, I think the history of mental health and mental illness, it's been on a pretty rough ride. You know, like I think physical health is something that we've always... psychiatric ward days. Well, yeah. yeah, That that definitely doesn't help. I don't know if many people are quite aware of Australia's history with psychiatric Mm. wards, but yeah, Mm. like it's... It obviously doesn't help at all with that. No, and no. And, like and we even think they're cuckoo, like we think, oh, you know, people in the psychiatric ward are in ward eight or nine. And it's like, no, mm. like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, through some of the ways that mental health and mental illness was, was looked at and treated in the past, how it's been portrayed in movies, you know, we have this kind of stereotypical stigmatized view of, of who the someone is if they're mm. struggling their mental health Um, and I think you know we can take it back even further than that as well you know like right back in the early early days I mean what we would look at now as a psychotic episode or maybe mania would have been framed as possession or that the person had been morally wrong Uh, you know so so people were very much blamed for their mental health and it was kind of connected to some kind of some kind of wrong or some kind yeah. of yeah almost like that witches or something like well yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean all that stuff kind of comes into play and yeah. it's, it's just fascinating that even though we've come so far today some of that stuff is all still there um and so i think we still unfortunately portray mental illness with with weakness uh, i think we yeah. still kind of connect it with something that's dangerous and frightening yeah. something that's not the same as physical health yeah. uh so yeah stigma is still a big part of why we're still kind of battling yeah yeah as a, as a doctor um i guess do you try to take on that holistic approach as much as you can i know you'd probably mm. be the perfect advocate for it where you know if you can start to take control somewhat of your mental health your physical health can benefit mm. and vice versa a hundred percent and this is why like that's exactly the nail on the head in terms yeah. of what part of, of mental health I love. Yeah. Um, and, and as you say, it's kind of, I guess, weirdly mirrored in my personal life as well in terms of yeah. doing the medical thing, but also running around like a, you know, like a nut with all this fitness. Yeah. It's severely underestimated. Like it should yeah. almost be, it should almost be prescribed. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And, yeah. and, you know, and I often do, 
you know, like especially yeah, if it's kind of the mild to moderate end of things and especially for depression and anxiety, what we know now is that exercise, physical health factors have a massive impact and, and vice versa as well. Like some of the research coming out about how our mood and emotions and even our mindset physically mm. affects what's happening in our body uh, is fascinating. So yeah, it's a hundred percent linked and yeah. it's, it's not, now, we need to get rid of this idea that something is physical versus mental mm. because when it comes to our body, there's actually no separation there. Yeah. Um, they both affect the other and they're both just completely connected. Yeah. Um, so we need to kind of get rid of that idea that something is physical versus something is mental. Um, mm. So, so yeah, if, if you like for say a, a day in your life or if you were diet like not diagnosing if you were assessing someone and you had them would you often say look here's your homework go out and do half an hour of some exercise a day and come back and note it down is that quite common for you like yeah yeah i mean it it really depends on the situation and you know it depends on what someone might be struggling with or or the type of mental illness they have uh but you know depression is a really good example of of a condition where if we can start slowly getting a little bit more physical activity and exercise in, that can really help. But obviously it depends. You know, if I'm seeing someone with severe end depression where they're just struggling to even get out of bed, obviously telling them to, you know, get out and go for a run isn't really realistic. But, but, you know, I think a lot of us these days are struggling with the lower end of things you know, yes. kind of the mild depression and anxiety. Oh, anxiety rates, yeah. Uh, yeah. And anxiety is a huge one. Um, you know, that's, that's our most common mental, mm. mental health issue now. Um, and, and for that, yeah, I'll often talk to people in clinic about, well, you know, what physical activity are you getting across the week? Um, can we look at writing up a bit of a schedule for yeah. you to start going for a walk three times a week? Um, or if they're in a bit of a bad spot and leaving the house is difficult. I mean, I might say even vacuuming like that, that's a bit of physical activity. Mm -hmm. So it's really starting small and kind of day by day, week by week, helping someone build up their physical activity um, to help bring those flow on effects into their mental health. And I've, I've yet to never, ever hear someone come back to me and say, like, not not to, I'm talking in general, not just clinical, yeah. but come back and say to me, oh, I'd ask, how do you feel after that? Or well, mm. I felt great. I've never heard anyone say, I felt shit. Never heard anyone. I've never, ever yeah. heard anyone. Heard no, them, oh, well, and like, mate, you're definitely preaching to the, to the converted there. Like I, <laughs> I'm a massive fan of exercise and, and I agree. Like it's, um, if, if we're in a space where we're able to, to do something physical and we can slowly build that up, um, you know, from a biological level with the endorphins and all the, the neurotransmitters it hits, you know, it's going to give us a bit of a buzz and, and feedback through to our mental health. Um, but yeah, I mean, f- for me personally, I mean, with the fitness and exercise stuff, it was something that I started really doing during medical school to help me with that side of things as well. Um, you know, obviously really stressful studying all the time, a lot of pressure. Um, and so, as you say, like if I went for a run or went for the, to the gym and did some weights, I would just feel, you know, like much calmer and more yeah. grounded afterwards. I would sleep better. Um, so I think it's that personal experience of, of, what it's done for me as well. That means when I do see patients in clinic or wherever I am quite, I guess more likely to talk to them about the benefits they might get from that too. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, just for the listener, obviously me and you wouldn't know (laughs) better than most, um, the difference between anxiety and depression, I still think there's Mm. a little bit of, um, different, uh, bit of misunderstanding there. Yeah. Yeah. What is the main biggest difference between the two? Yeah, that's an awesome question because, like I said, these are our two biggies when it comes to mental health struggles. Um, But it can be a little confusing as to what's what. Um, So depression, I guess, is primarily where our mood is affected. You know, classically, depression is where our mood is dropping low. We're feeling low, sad, flat, 
yeah. most of the time. Uh, and then we get some of the little f- sort of the other things that come with our mood that go with that. So energy levels might be really low. Someone's sleep might start to get really out of sync. Um, eating and drinking and their appetite might start to go off. So depression is generally where the body, in terms of the mood and mental function, things are really just lowering down. Um, And with severe depression, they get locked into a low place where the body and brain are really, really basically kind of in shutdown mode. Um, Anxiety is in some ways maybe a little bit the other end of the spectrum. Um, So when I talk to people about anxiety, I talk about, sort of a bit of an alarm system or that fight or flight mode and anxiety is when our body in terms of the connection between our our brain and our body is kind of a bit supercharged so we're tense we're feeling anxious and wound up all the time um we might be feeling anxiety mentally in terms of feeling really stressed and panicked and worried but anxiety is also a very physical thing so people might feel that their gut is tight and clenched all the time or their heart's racing, their muscles are tense and on edge. Um, So basically with anxiety, we're kind of back on the savannah, you know, ancient human times. Kind of we're we're ready to either hunt or run from the lion, you know. So the body and the brain are kind of on red alert. Um, So they're sort of Pretty, pretty different ends of the spectrum in mm-hmm. some ways, but I think the confusing thing is that that anxiety and depression often go together. Yes. So we can be depressed, but also have features of anxiety and, and the other way around. So yeah. it's, it can be kind of intertwined at times. Yeah, and, and going along with that, um, if we talk professionally, just for like mm. reference from anyone, I'd probably work as a social worker more with the anxious sides and then you'd probably mm. work with that depression kind of high level end. Just to yeah. pretty much um, generalise it for a bit, everyone. Is that, yeah. That's correct. But, but I mean, I guess I guess a lot of a lot. I guess a lot of your work is, is helping people move through really, really yeah. difficult situations yes. and, and and social issues, isn't it? So, yeah. I mean, anxiety would feed into some of those things, but also those things would trigger so much anxiety. So, yeah, yeah I guess you're right. You you must see a lot of, yeah. of anxiety in your work, mate. And. Um, now, counselling itself—that's that, even got even more of a stigma. Like we think mm. about, if we think mm. about an individual oh, yeah. who just wants to, they get the courage to finally work through a difficult situation like yeah. yourself or a phase in their life, and they get to the door, yeah, <laughs> with their counsellor, um, you know, it, and, and they're like, "There, you know, that's a big, huge step. It's so underrated." Yeah. But counselling, yeah. if you, it's almost like you talk to someone. It's like what mm. I had before that stigma. Oh, I'm going to see a counsellor. Mm. I really want to get this message across of that. Some people who are going to see counselling aren't necessarily fully depressed or anxious. They mm-hmm. may be, like you said, working through some difficult situations at the moment. They may want a second opinion. They may want to see, you know, it's just such a misguided thing again yeah. in relation to yeah. mental health. A hundred percent, you know, and like, yeah, I, I love that because that's yeah. what I like get on my soapbox and try and talk about yeah. all the time. You know, I, I think you know there's there's a massively different concept in terms of oh, i'm going to see my gp to get a checkup yes. or um the gp said that i need to go see this doctor about something to do with my blood test and no one would ever come back and say oh mate why are you going to see a gp exactly like, what's with you? but if we say oh, i've been going through a bit of a rough time lately um, i might go see a psychologist or um I wonder if working through this really complicated thing would, I wonder if seeing a counselor just to talk that through might be helpful. You know, there, there is, there's still so much stigma around yeah. it because it's mental. We're kind of thinking, Oh, you know, people will say, well, why do you need to see a psychologist? Yeah. Or, um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, we come back to that argument again, like you say, there, there's no difference here, like struggling with our physical health versus struggling a bit with our mental health, you know, the, there's no separation there of one over the other. And um, I agree. Like, I think we don't have to feel like we're at the bottom of the cliff to, to be accessing some kind of mental health support. You know, we don't have to be severely depressed to the point where we can't get out of bed before we 
Yes. And maybe I need to see someone about my mental health. Um, Because actually, if we key into those things earlier and, and access some support and help, it can actually stop us from getting to that point um so yeah. i 100% agree like i completely put it like come from a small town you often run into people mm. i'd have these discussions with them who are like you know what what would you you know why would you go see something you know they say that well i like that perfect analogy like, well you go to your gp to see how you're going physically and mm-hmm. it's about accountability you go to the gym to work out and feel good and strengthen yourself physically and improve your, your physique or whatever goal it may yeah. be it's that accountability that accountability yeah. theme trust me goes through into your mental health why not you know maybe what's, what's wrong with checking in with a counselor once a month and just when, even when you're going wonderfully well you know 100 percent. yeah yeah and i think it's um, that's something that I really like talking and writing about too, because there's, you know, like you've just pointed to another kind of misconception there when it comes to physical health versus mental health. I think we're all pretty, we're pretty aware now that there are things that we can do every day to kind of benefit our physical health. You know, like if we go to the gym, if we kind of keep a bit of a check on what we're putting into our mouth, if we're going to see our GP for a checkup every, whatever, three months or six months, we kind of know that if we do those things, we can like boost and build our physical health. Yes. But we don't think about mental health in the same way, but actually all the science and research shows that we should. You know, yeah. if we're if we're putting in some kind of basic principles to be looking after our mind, we can actually also kind of protect and bolster our mental health from baseline. And as you say, even if we're not really struggling clinically, going to see a counsellor or talking a difficult situation over with a psychologist for a period of time, it's the same thing. You know, we yeah. can, yeah we go to the gym to build our biceps, but, but we can be doing things to kind of like build that mental muscle at the same time, you know? Yeah. Um, And you talk about those building those things um, for people just say, so for example, we've got someone who's, you know, maybe going through something difficult and they mm -hmm. want to try something themselves. What are some of the things you probably firstly advocate for? So mindfulness and those mindful apps are great. Is there anything else that you strongly advocate for Kieran for people to maybe utilize? Yeah, I think like the first thing that I always like to look at with people and talk to them about are the basics. Um, People like sometimes when I bring it up and ask them about these things, people give me like a blank look because they're just like, are you kidding me? Like that's (laughs) so so simple. I I agree. (laughs) Why did you have to go to med school to learn to tell me that? Um, But, you know, it's, it's the nuts and bolts thing. So, you know, I'll talk to people about sleep. So like sleep is a big one. Um, Again, coming back to that modern society thing where we're just always plugged into our phones and we're busy. Sleep is something that we don't protect enough. Um, And I'm guilty of that as well. (laughs) Oh, I could imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Love, hate relationship with sleep. But so sleep is one of the key kind of grounding factors that I talk to people about. If we can be locking in a regular bedtime and wake time and kind of making sure we're getting a decent amount of hours sleep that's going to put our mental health on a on a big front forward sort of that foot forward Um, regular exercise is another thing that can really help boost our mental kind of health from baseline Um, we're learning more about diet and mental health yeah that's Um, wonderful so it's really really interesting um you know, it does show that if we're eating more fruit and vegetables, we're having kind of a varied balanced diet that can actually be beneficial for our mental health just as much as our physical health. So I think, like you say, there's the mindfulness and more specific things. But I think if people are actually taking the time to to give their just those basic health foundations a bit of thought, that can really put our mental health on a really solid grounding too. So that's where I'd always start with people, yeah. uh, those basic things. Now, as a like doctor slash psychiatrist, um, your view on, there obviously is a place for, um, for medicine and mm, you know, yeah. psychiatric yep. medicine. And yep. Are you one to kind of use that for the last resort and utilize these other things or 
do you kind of work them hand in hand? So, yeah, and I think there's no kind of hard and fast rule there. And I think that's the the general, that's across the board with psychiatry and mental health in general. Um, I think part of the stigma around mental illness and psychiatry is a little bit of that thought. And maybe it comes, like you say, from those old asylum days and what we see in the movies but i think when we think about what a psychiatrist does we still think okay they're gonna try throw pills at me really wanting to break that down yeah they're gonna try put me on some medication or give me an injection or and that's that's not what modern psychiatry is Mm -hmm. um so i think when it comes to medicine versus other things like medication versus talking therapy or medication versus lifestyle changes can depend on a few things. One of those things is severity. So if someone comes to me with really severe depression or anxiety, then then that is when you, you might consider medication more readily because, you know, just like physical illness, sometimes when our mental health gets to a certain place, for a period of time, we might need a bit of a helping hand yes. getting that back to a solid ground with a medication. And there is nothing wrong with that. There's nothing. hundred percent not. Um, you know, just like we take a medication for our diabetes or we take medication for pain, um, you know, taking a medication for whatever period of time we need it for our mental health does not have any bearing on yeah. our, you know, on who we are or, weakness or any of this rubbish that we sort of see associated with that stigma. Um, I guess something else that I consider with medication is, is someone's preference as well. You know, yeah. some people, that's wonderful. Some, yeah. Some people yeah. very much will come and they'll say, look, I'm not the kind of guy that likes the whole talking therapy thing. It just doesn't work for me. I'd, I'd much rather we kind of talk about a medication. Yeah other people might really want to consider psychology or other options before a medication. Um, so it really, really just depends on, on what someone's struggling with and what their preferences. Um, but yeah, but so yeah I think the cool thing about mental health now is that we, we know so much more than we did before and we have a lot of options, you know, the psychiatry and, and treatment for mental illness is not just getting a yes. tablet pushed onto you. Yes. Um, so why do we if that's that's a hundred percent right um and now drifting on towards men specifically Mm. sorry Mm. for the wonderful woman listeners but it seems to be your men have such a high rate of anxiety and depression if we look at those specifically why do you think that is and you what is it Mm. just that construct of being a man does that add that added weight that we we get driven you know to harden up and be be a tough man but you know yeah. we see time and time again these stories of some of the blokeys blokes you might know that they're, they're struggling deep mm. inside do you think that plays oh. a part with the blokes yeah definitely i think that's that's a that's a big part of what's happening for for, for us lads and when it comes to our mental health stats um and you know i think it's it's come through kind of some of the stuff i've done with i guess with the fitness and bodybuilding stuff but i mean like an interest in men's mental health is is something that i'm pretty passionate about um and yeah you're spot on there like the the whole masculinity stuff and the what it means to be a man and and how as boys and men we're kind of conditioned or all these little messages we're sent all the time about what a man is and who a man should be um that that kind of that clashes with with mental health in a lot of ways you know i think again it's changing and i think like concepts of of manhood in modern society are are kind of much different to what they were in 20 years ago yeah but there's still that stigma around you know men don't show feelings yes. men men don't talk about touchy feely stuff <laughs> um you know as men there's this kind of i think a lot of guys feel a sense of pressure that we always need to be 
in control or yeah. never showing that we're weak or yeah. not able to handle something. Main breadwinner, you know, working nine to five, yeah. you know, yeah. like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and I tell my mates, I love them every single day. They, yeah. they would say, <laughs> like, it's just nothing. <laughs> like, Amazing. Because, yeah. Look, what, what, what wouldn't you? Like, to be honest, oh, like, give them that. Yeah. And it's, and like, as we're touching on that, like, it's crap for me. It kills me inside at the moment with these restrictions. You guys have hugged me, mates. Mm. Give them a big hard. Yeah. Like, Oh, dude, Nothing wrong. You can be a bloody weak or stereotypically tough guy. You can be. You can be tough and resilient and you can show some love. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, 100%. Yeah. Like, we, like, it's it's not just, um, you know, it's not just isolated to men. Like, I think this is something yeah, across yeah, exactly. that women kind of, that, that all of us as humans kind of cope with. But, yeah, I think particularly for men, there's that belief that, you know, um, yeah, expressing emotions is kind of incompatible with being that kind of blokey, kind of classic lad. Yeah. Uh, and as you say, that that that's just absolute rubbish and, and doesn't need to be the case. Um, but, you know, having to keep so much of that stuff inside yeah. and, and a lot of the stigma around speaking out and getting help is I think one of the reasons we think that men have worse mental health outcomes often than, than women. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, rates statistically show that, that more women have depression and anxiety, but, you know, I think we don't actually know if that's the case because yeah. men are far less likely to reach yes. out and yeah. let someone know if they're going through depression and anxiety. So, it's, so actually... Women happily let each other know, like, if they're not... Like it's a great thing. They happily let each other know in their groups and um, mm. stuff like that. You like I see here in small town. You often see like us boys do it, but I often see you know those uh, class groups. So many women go out and do fitness and coffees and stuff like that. Yeah. Like they do yeah. those external things very very well. Yeah, <laughs> I, th I think women definitely you know are still are still well ahead of us when it yeah. comes to <laughs> to being much more comfortable and open with talking about. Yeah you know, how they're thinking, how they're feeling, reaching out when they might need help or be struggling. Um, and so for men, I think it, it's probably not the case that less men are feeling yeah. depressed or anxious. It's probably more the case, to be honest, that, that there are more men feeling those things and struggling with those things, but they're doing it alone because they don't feel that, that they can be a man and, and still talk about those things or reach out for help um which which you know just is gut-wrenching um yeah. and when i you know come into contact with a young guy when i'm on call in the emergency department for example and and he says something like oh i've been like wrestling with this or just trying to push through this by myself for six months but i was mm -hmm. too scared to tell anyone about it because i didn't want people to think that i couldn't handle it or i was weak or whatever that is gut-wrenching to me because yes. i'm just like why do we let all that all that rubbish and all those stereotypes and stigma stop us from getting help when we know we need it and often like we would because we're great like i'll say it again we have great perspectives on this but often when you look at it from people who may be feeling quite just down and just mm. hit these low points I honestly don't blame them when they come and talk to me. Like, you know, yeah. they might have lost their house, they've broke up a relationship, they've yeah. family split, they've got a massive debt. I would yeah. not be happy about that. Like, I would be crap. Like, you know, it, you know you're just in complete denial yeah. if you don't, if you think, no, I'm fine. Like, yeah. and well, that's. And I think it's that coming back to that thing of, you know, it, it's it's okay and, and actually it's it's normal to to struggle at times. Yeah. And, and just like you say, like if, if we've lost our job or, you know, we've had a breakup or yeah. something that we were really gunning for didn't come through and it's a massive disappointment, yeah. it's actually, it's not abnormal or a sign of weakness or a sign yeah. that something's wrong with you if, if you go through a period of feeling pretty bloody shite and low yeah. and anxious after that. Um, but you're exactly right. People will kind of be like, well why am I feeling this way? Like, why am I feeling like crap? Why am I feeling depressed? And, and, you know, you'll kind of be like, well, 
because you've just been through a divorce. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. So, so completely understandable that, that your mental health's taken a bit of a hit. Mm. Um, what? Yeah, that's completely right. Like it's, and the thing is, um, like it is completely normal. And it's, I never, I'm not quite into that. It's okay to be that way. Like, cause of course we want highest and I would love to empower my clients. It's all I ever want for them is to have better mm. lives. Yeah. It's like it's, you don't want that for themselves. We can work through this patch, but in the end we're going to get through it. It's going to be yeah. not just okay. It's going to be great. This is yeah, just, sorry. yeah. yeah. Um, and on the other side of things, teen, teen and youth, what do we have to consider for them? Because we mm. understand that, they are going through some physiological changes. I'd like to get your scope on this mm. puberty and stuff. How much does that impact impact? And what are some of the things we need to consider in regards to them and mental health? Yeah, I think for, for teens, for teens in particular, and I think all of us that have been through, yes, <laughs> will be like, this will, this will hit home, I'm sure. But I mean, teenage years can be pretty tough and full on when it comes to mental health from, as you kind of mentioned there, the, very much the biological nuts and bolts side of things. Um, when we're going through our teenage years and particularly through puberty and things, I mean, we know it's, it's medically, it's, it's medical fact that yeah. changes in hormone levels and growth in the body and all these different things happening cause changes and fluctuations with our mood and, and emotions and, and all kind of aspects of mental health. So it can be, I think in its, in its, own way just biologically it can be a pretty can be yeah. a pretty like tricky volatile time especially for girls in this sense like yeah with um everything going on that they have like their periods and all stuff like that like, yeah it's pretty yeah. tricky with hormones hormones and stuff like that yeah and not normal for for people to to kind of experience some really mm. pretty notable shifts and things with it, all of that happening um i think the interesting thing as well is it, it during our teenage years, we've also got all the social side of things and developmental side of things happening as well. Yeah. Um, that, that can be pretty tough on, on mental health. So, you know, we're kind of developing our identity, kind of forming yes. who we are and, and the type of people we want to be friends with or the type of people that we want to romantically be with. Um, you know, we've got all the societal stuff of, um, you know that that age-old question of well, what are you going to do after school, or yeah. what, what job do you want to do? Um, you know, we're figuring out and moving through all this super full-on intense stuff, um, and so anxiety, depression, struggles with mental health. Uh, you know, I think it can be a bit of a vulnerable time during during our teenage yeah. adolescent years because we're just going through so much change. Change, yeah. yeah. People underestimate how impactful change is for an individual. Amen. Yeah, even even positive change. Like yes. I was talking to someone about this the other day. Like um, someone was asking me about when I moved from New Zealand to Australia uh, and like how I found it. Uh, and, and I guess just using this as an example, uh, I was like, well, it was really good. It was really positive. Like I, you know, was moving to a great new city and had a great job lined up. So it was all positive, but actually it was also pretty tough just because mm. like you say, any change and, and adjusting to new things and trying to scope things out and make new mates and all this stuff, even if it's all positive, it, it's pretty stressful on the mind. Um, you know, we, we're kind of, it's like that duck on the, you know, the, on the surface of the water, yeah. like bobbing along and everything's great, but underneath the feet are like flipping like crazy. So, so any change, as you say, can be, can be pretty full on for our brain and our body. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, teenage years, I think are uh, <laughs> like, that's like the quintessential kind of change yeah. period. I try to put it when I look back or if I think about a teenager, going through just say they're 17, 18, finishing up school. I try to think about it. The thing that doesn't help is that their lens are so much smaller. Like mm. it just happens. Like you haven't, you're getting ready to do all those things, but yeah. your, your lens is still so small. You've only really got, you know, your school and your family and friends. Yeah. And when we are adults and young adults and going in, I've gone to university, I've got my friends back home, I play footy. Yeah. I've got my family. Like you see that broader perspective yeah. of the world. Yeah. And that's where that change aspect comes into it a lot more. 
is that once you see that bigger perspective, it is bloody tough and they've got it hard. Like, yeah, you, you 100%. Because yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, I think, like you say, what comes from the bigger lens and the perspective and the experience, the more of those things we get, the more we're able to kind of, you know, I think know who we are when change yeah. happens, the, the more we're able to know what works for us and what doesn't work for us when it comes to looking after ourselves yeah. and, and keeping ourselves grounded through tough stuff. Whereas like you say, when you're a 17 year old, you're still just learning all that stuff. Um, <laughs> and you know, you're still going through a lot of stuff for the first time and, and just dealing with it. So yeah, yeah it's uh, it's a pretty wild old ride, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Now we're in quite a difficult period to, to, mm. to say the least yeah um what are some ways that people can look after their mental health during isolation and quarantine and COVID-19 because I think I can only imagine that a lot of people may not be even speaking out even more yeah like we're just we just scratched the surface yeah there's gonna be a lot of recovery to this but what are some ways that people can look after themselves during yeah. Friday and Kieran. Yeah, and glad you brought that up because obviously it's, it's like the elephant in the room, isn't yes. it? Like <laughs> we've been like we're talking about change and we're talking about mental health and stresses and stuff, and and this is for all of us. I think probably the biggest one we've had to go through in yes. in, in a collective sense. Um, and I think step number one is just what we've kind of been doing this whole way along is is acknowledging the mental side of things, um, you know, and obviously all of our focus with COVID-19 has for good reason been on, you know, hand washing and how do we reduce risk of transmission? And we're talking about viruses and lungs and physical health, but you bang on in terms of all this stuff with anxiety and fear around getting COVID. And then you've got, lockdown you've got businesses closing you've got people's businesses really struggling or people losing jobs you've got social isolation all that is massively straining on our mental health so i think step number one is actually just turning that light bulb on and remembering actually this is going to be pretty tough for anyone's mental health right now so we need to be thinking about it um, yeah that's, that's step number one is kind of calling it out um, and then a lot of the things I've been talking and writing about with, with mental health and COVID has been again, kind of not to sound like a broken record, but <laughs> coming back to some of those basics, like just kind of stripping it down and simplifying it at the moment. Like when there's a bit of a hurricane going on in the world around us and stuff is really stressful and uncertain and all over the place. I think if we can kind of just strip it down to the basic health stuff yes. that can put our mental health on a, on a more solid grounding. So even if we're at home and our schedule is completely out of whack, it's, it's keeping your sleep routine yeah. in check, um, making sure you're, you're having regular meals and you're eating. It's hard with ISO life. And yeah. um, you know, I've, been, I've been having to try and get my home workouts on. But, you know, I think if we can keep some form of activity yeah. and exercise, that's helpful. Like, we, yeah, you can still run and ride and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, we can yeah. still get out for exercise. Um, keeping a routine is one that I've been talking to people about uh, being helpful. So even if we're not at work at the moment or we're isolated or working from home, yeah. I've been telling people still, still keep putting a routine and a schedule in your iPhone, you know, um, do your morning routine. Don't just yeah. kind of roll out of bed and sit in your PJs all day on the couch, like get out of bed and still shower, get dressed, do those yeah. normal things you do in the morning and then schedule in some things, you know, doing a bit of work at, 10 o'clock lunch at 12 one o'clock i'm gonna skype grandma, if, if grandma <laughs> skype. <laughs> um, but you know i think keeping a bit of a routine yeah. in our day can just be really grounding for anxiety 100%. otherwise we kind of feel like we're just completely untethered and our mind and emotions can kind of run away on themselves in that case yeah, and, and that's a great a great way to put it. You kind of lose control. Like you can control the controllables, I often say, yeah, yeah. somewhat live by it. Like you can control your routine and that gives you a great sense of purpose and connection yeah, which humans need in yep. regards to um, yep. mental health. Amen. And, um, you know, the, you use the word connection there and I think that's a big one too at the moment because one of the hardest parts about all of this on 
on all of us, I think, has been the the social side of it. Like, yeah. and you mentioned before, and, and I think I'm I'm probably a, quite a similar guy. Like, I <laughs> even at work at the hospital, like colleagues or doctor mates like i might normally you know you like give each other a high five or you'll yeah. hug like you know if you see each other in the in the lunchroom or whatever and it's just a really weird vibe i think especially for particular people when you kind of like oh i'm not allowed to touch anyone or i can't be <laughs> with one and a half meters of you um so i think a lot of us are feeling kind of that social hit yeah. at the moment so it's it's doing what we can in that respect as well for our mental health. Um, So I've been telling, you know, telling people to schedule some kind of social contact every day. You know, even if you're under isolation and you're home by yourself, schedule a phone call with a mate or make a plan to have a a FaceTime or a Skype chat with, with mom or dad or your brother or sister or something every day. Um, Yes. You know, yes, physical contact and being close to each other is a really important factor for our physical and our mental health. But research shows that we can get some of those same health benefits even through a screen or on the phone. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Just as much or like nearly? Like, oh, no, like so. In some ways, probably like physical contact and touch has some very specific benefits for particularly our physical health. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, we know that for our mental health, if you're having a deep kind of connected, supportive conversation with someone, even on the phone, um, you know, that can still be massively protective and beneficial for our mental health. Yeah. So, so we need to kind of keep those things in place and that can be a really, really important way that we're protecting and looking after our mental health right now. 100%. 100%. Now, and quick, cause this is one I want to put across to you now, and I sense it from a professional side of things. Why, why do you, this is much a silly question. Why, why do you do what you do, mate? Why do you love so much mental health in the best best yeah. way that you can put it and advocating and getting involved with people who may not be doing the best? It, it really yeah. intrigues me. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, I think, again, I've always, um, I've always just been fascinated by people's lives, you know, like yeah. by people's stories. Uh, we've all... You know, it doesn't matter how many million billion of us there are on this on this rock. You know, like we've all we've all got these unique kind of histories and stories and experiences that make us who we are. Yeah. And, and I just like it's just such a privilege, as corny as it sounds, oh. to go to work and to get to like talk to someone about their story, like who who they are, where they've been what they're what they want to do for their future you know what what they're afraid of what they what their goals are i just find that fascinating and really rewarding um and like we kind of said before when i was figuring out what i wanted to do with medicine i think psychiatry and mental health and and now that i've been doing a bit more of this advocacy stuff with um, you know, stuff like this or a bit yeah. of the TV, TV stuff or men's health writing. Uh, just it's super inspiring for me to feel like, you know, you could, you could help someone through a tough time or help someone with their depression or anxiety and, and help put their life on a completely different track. Yeah. You know, in, in terms of, of reaching their potential and getting what they want out of life and, and being being and living how they want to, to live, whatever that looks yeah. like for them. Um, so I don't know. I think I just get such a massive kick out of out of feeling like I can do some little part to to kind of get people on that on that journey, I guess. So yeah. The feeling's definitely mutual with that. I yeah, completely oh, understand. Really the same with your work. I, I you like, um, and it's funny, I don't know if you get the same, but like people in a small town throws up different challenges and different things, mm. but people often pull me out. You know, you're a young guy. Oh, it was so the first, you can look on their face. You can say, oh, that must be tough. And I'm like, oh, the first thing I honestly say is I love it. Like I, yeah. I do. I love it. Yeah, there are some crap times and there's some days yeah. where you just feel... Yeah, it can be tough. Yeah. yeah, but... 
it like you said it hit the nail on the head when i'm sitting in that room or when i'm working with someone engaging with them it is an absolute privilege yeah if i yeah. completely stuff that up for lack of a better terms i am abusing that privilege for someone mm. to share their deepest yeah. moments with me and yeah and there's no you know we i think i don't know how aware of the research i mean when you feel more you know grateful and giving and mm. it actually changes the response and the makeup of your brain yeah a hundred percent and as I go more and more into it, and you might be the same as well, it, it, it increases that. And like yep. the, the, I'm so passionate about it is that, you know, it is a privilege for us to sit down and with someone who's going through the worst time yeah. and to down the track, um, see them being empowered and make these beautiful changes. There's yeah. nothing better. There is yeah. nothing better. Like we, I work in a, um, we're counseling an AOD, so drug and alcohol. Amazing. Yeah. And you, we are pretty much, and I look around and I work in this aspect of the hospital. I love all the clinicians there and like play come across guys exactly like you. I wish I worked mm. with you, mate. We bounce with each other well. <laughs> like, dream just, yeah, it'd be just in you know, you walk in and you see and I often sit there and I think and I look around, I look at the other professionals, nothing against them. Mm. I lo- like completely love what they do. We often link clients with them. But I look around and I think I am blessed to have this connection and like we have clients who just have their babies and there's no, like they wouldn't take their baby and share mm. this beautiful moment with their podiatrist. Like mm. we come down, yeah. we got blessed and they, they, we feel a part of their family and I genuinely yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Every moment that I yeah. do it and every minute that I do it, like you literally yeah. feel a part of them and their lives. Yeah. No, I completely, yeah, completely the same buzz, mate. And it's, um, you know, I think every aspect of healthcare, uh, you know, I guess yeah. hope, hopefully anyway, people are in that area of health because they that's where they get their sense of, of connection to people and where they feel they get their biggest buzz in terms of helping someone else. Um, but yeah, just just like you, I think for me it's that, you know, even if you know you don't have your hands in their abdomen in a surgery or you're not you're not physically yeah. touching them or, or helping with with the physical side of things but for me there's kind of no bigger high than than kind of i guess really like nothing things out and connecting with someone in that moment and trying to help them work through work through their lives basically and and get to a place where they feel that they're they're a little bit more able to to be who they want to be and, and do the things they want to do. Um, yeah. and, and that's massive, you know, yeah. like to, to sit with someone who maybe wants to end their lives, you know, like is, is at a point in their life where they, they don't know if they actually want to live anymore. And then weeks, months, years down the track to, to see that person again and see that they are, yeah. you know, they're, they're back into work, they're, they're doing the things they want to do, they're enjoying life. Um, that for me is like, there's, there's no bigger reward than that. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, like you say, it's not an, it's not an easy area of, of health to work in. Like it's pretty complex and yeah. challenging and um, like any, any area yeah. of healthcare, it has its days where you're kind of just like, like yeah. I want to just sleep for about a year. Yeah. But, um, but nah, yeah, it's, it's a, it's like I said, it's just a privilege, I think, yeah. to, to um, sort of be able to help someone, even if it's in a little way. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And like you, like you, what you said, when you see them doing so well and, you know, I see more again, small town, but you see them, you know, with their happy little family and they give yeah. you a smile and they say, you know, all this and this. I'm like, I'm so genuinely happy yeah. and humbled it's amazing, by that. Like it's yeah. a, it's a beautiful thing. And, but in a sense, we can all do that. We can all be it's that true. person that someone can, can rely on. And yeah, that's yeah. the bigger thing for me is that that sense of community and looking after each other and yeah. which really yeah. drives me and, yeah we can all do that like it yeah. should be second nature like Definitely. we can all help each other yeah. out and be a great person or therapist deep down in for the, you know amen yeah i, I yeah. love that point because that's you know that's something that i think with all this like mental health advocacy and and kind of fighting back on some of the stigma i mean that's part of it too yeah. it's um it's not just if we're going through something tough ourselves it's also stripping down all those stereotypes and stigmas so that as people we feel you know less 
less judgmental, less fearful, less unable to talk to someone else about mm. struggles they might be going through, you know? And, and so, yeah, I completely agree in terms of um, as family, as friends, as, you know, partners, like we can all be doing our little bit to, to help someone through, even if that's just listening to them. Um, yeah. And like I say, I think people feel a lot of pressure maybe when one of their loved ones is going through a mental mental health struggle because it's kind of like, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm not a therapist, so I don't know how to handle that. Um, And I think the the biggest thing that I say to to family and friends in those situations is, well, that's not what you're expected to be. Exactly. And and actually just being open to, to the other person and just offering them a space to, just sit with them maybe it might not even be talking it might yeah, just be sitting going with, with them, them to their first appointment or something yeah, oh, yeah or going for a, a walk or especially for guys um yeah. exercising together like playing sport together or going for a run together um or just listening like yeah. we don't have to feel like we have to fix it or have answers um you know because it's all the other stuff that actually does does the most benefit when it yeah. comes to being a, a friend or family member supporting someone. hundred percent, hundred percent. Like the completely right. Such underestimated skill is listening and then just guidance. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Dr. Karen Kennedy, it's been an absolute blessing having you on here, mate. I've loved every yeah. minute of it. Yeah, I think a lot no, of people are going to get something out of it. Um, I, I really so. appreciate it. And I think you'll be the same with me is that, you know, like I said, I'm quite the optimist and I think we're getting somewhere. I think we are, yeah. you know, as a community in the world community or whatever, we are making a great change in raising awareness for mental health and yeah. really seeking empowering people to better themselves and yeah. just be as a whole better. Like it might sound cliche, but it, it's true. Like there's, yeah. That's what we need and that's what we should strive for. hundred percent. No. So just, um, yeah. Thanks so much for, yeah. for having, having the time with me today to hear yeah. my rambles made. And <laughs> no. say it, so I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this stuff and it's just awesome that, you know, you're obviously in the exact same boat and, and so putting out what you're putting out and doing what you're doing. It's like you say, it's pretty, it's pretty inspiring and, and awesome to see where we're at collectively yeah. now in terms of, of you can see the change happening. Um, and when it comes to our mental health and, and um, looking after ourselves and others, I think we're, we're on the right track. So yeah. man, just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> no, mate, sure. Due to people like, <laughs> due to people like you, man. <laughs> I don't stuff. know. Appreciate it every minute. Great man. No, thank you, man. I really, really loved it. Hope you all enjoyed guys. Thank you. How about that for an episode, guys? I hope you all really enjoyed that one. Quick shout out to my man, Michael Peters, the man behind the camera. And also big, big love to 3RPC for allowing us to utilize the studio space. Without you guys, none of this would be possible. So big thank you. Please make sure you all follow at A Chat With Pat on Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast via Spotify and iTunes. And please don't be afraid to leave a review. We are open to all feedback to make this as good as possible for all our listeners. Stay safe and all my love, guys. You!